Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to another episode of Look on the Bright Side. A golden rule in podcasts is never to talk about the weather because you could be listening to this six months from now and it'll mean nothing. But it seems really fitting as the sun is streaming in on me right now as I record this intro. A literal bright side for what is the final episode in the current series of Look on the Bright Side. Now that doesn't mean it's a time for reflection. We have two new interviews for you today and we're touching upon two areas we haven't yet explored. We'll be talking to Matthew Burrows, an artist who has launched the Artist Support Pledge. But before that, we're talking food cycle. When the pandemic hit and you halted your normal charity work, what do you do? Do you bunker up and wait for it to pass? Or do you come up with new initiatives? So joining me on Look on the Bright Side today is the CEO of Food Cycle, Mary. Mary, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure, Charlotte. Really delighted to be here today. And I know it's a really busy time for you at the moment. So even more so, thank you for sparing the time to join us on the podcast. Oh, absolutely welcome. No, it's really great to be uh, have the opportunity to talk about Food Cycle. So, Well, let's talk about Food Cycle. So this is an existing initiative before the current pandemic. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So Food Cycle, it's an amazing organisation. Effectively, we try to build communities and we do this through the provision of a three-course meal for people who are hungry and who are lonely. And every week, our volunteers gather in a kitchen having collected surplus food. So this could be wonky carrots, you know, unusual looking vegetables, things that the supermarkets may have rejected or just weren't weren't purchased. So our volunteers will have collected that. They'll take it back to a a community kitchen space. And that's when the magic happens um, as they look at the ingredients that they have and think, right, what can we cook it into today? And whilst all that is going on, we have volunteers out the front putting together the room in which the meal is going to take place. So they're going to make sure it's beautifully prepped, tables, chairs, cutlery, tablecloths, flowers if we happen to have them. Um, And then our volunteers give a great big warm hearty welcome to um, people in the local community who, for whatever reason, want to come to Food Cycle. So we never ask anyone any questions about why they might come or we don't prod, we don't, you know, 
make people say I'm really hungry or I'm really lonely. We Everybody is welcome at the Food Cycle Meal. So um, and typically a meal um, will serve between 20 to 100 people, depending on the size of the location. So um, it's really great fun. And, you know, just a, a brilliant experience. And we're around the whole of England. Uh, we've got 42 locations um, and we rely on the most incredible people to step forward to be volunteers. How wonderful. Now, starting at the start of the process, where does the surplus food come from? Where do you tend to source that? So we will source surplus food from a huge variety of places. We will go to local greengrocers, local supermarkets. Um, we have uh, relationships with veg box schemes, sometimes with wholesalers. So our meals are vegetarian um, and we, they're vegetarian for three reasons. Um, first and foremost, we believe that that we can provide our guests with the most nutritious food possible. We think that's absolutely essential, especially when we consider for many of our guests, this might be the only warm meal they'll have in a week. So making sure that it's packed full of vitamins is, is absolutely essential. The second reason um, we're vegetarian is for cultural reasons. It means that pretty much everybody, depending on whatever viewpoint, what, what background they come from, um, will not object um, to the food. And thirdly, uh, for health and safety reasons, because we've got volunteers whom we train are cooking in the kitchen. Um, it means we're much less likely to have any health risks um, in terms of, of working with the, with the food and with, with volunteers. So um, yeah, we, get, we source our food from a variety of places. That's so wonderful because to me, it's so clear to see that even at the start of the process, before any food is cooked or served, you're already making a difference because obviously food waste is such an issue, not just in the UK, but across the world. When setting up food cycles, that's something that was really important to you. Yes, certainly in the founding, founding days, um, when we mm. set up about 10 years ago, food waste was probably at the heart of why food cycle existed because I think um, mm. people were seeing huge amounts of food waste and retailers weren't really doing a lot with it. I think when volunteers come through food cycle, they are sometimes alarmed at the amount of surplus food we're able to rescue. Um, and I think, but by being a part of our movement, they're able to change their own habits at home. Mm. And I think that's vital because 50% of food waste, unfortunately, takes place in our own homes. I can imagine it really is a wake-up call. Now, casting your mind back to a few months ago when news of the pandemic was just breaking and everything was getting very real very quickly, what were your initial concerns when it came to food cycle? Did you see any greater opportunity for food cycle to play a role? Yes. Well, the, the first thing with the pandemic struck is we always first and foremost think of our guests mm. and our guests um, are, are vulnerable people. You know, we, we 1500 of them walk through our doors every week and we, we conduct a survey once a year. And we know from that, that, you know, something like two thirds of them regularly skip a meal, for instance, or they might, 25% of them have mental health problems. A third of them have 
physical health problems or illnesses. So we recognize, well, they're vulnerable, so we really don't want anything to happen to them um, mm. as a result of coming and sitting at our community meal. So um, it was literally the week before lockdown. We managed, we don't normally ask our guests for their contact details, but mm. we got the volunteers, we briefed them and said it's really essential. We take a list of names and we take a list of mobile phone numbers. Um, and that was really helpful that we managed to do that um, because we decided to quickly move into a food delivery service. Mm. So, what we've been doing since lockdown begun. Um, is effectively taking surplus food, bagging it into parcels, um, getting the most amazing people to come forward who are, have been, you know, delivery drivers, bagging that food, collecting that mm. surplus food, and then actually delivering it to our guests' doorstep. Um, mm. And so we've been delivering, on average, every week, 2,500 parcels, um, and and feeding over 6,000 people. I'm really proud of the volunteers who've stepped forward to come and help. They've been phenomenal. They really have. Wow. I mean, I'm not surprised. Just the way that Food Cycle has adapted, Mary, to the current climate. So with such agility and such enthusiasm really is astonishing. That is really exceptional. Oh, thank you. No, and it is honestly, it's testament to our amazing volunteers. They're they're just they're just so brilliant. They really are. They just love to to give. They love to commit. They really love to build community. They all can't wait to get back to cooking because oh, they I love cooking, and they and we all love sitting around a table and having a really nice chat. So we recognise also that our lovely guests were missing out on having a lovely chat. So mm. more recently, we launched something called Check In and Chat, where when we've taken guest information, so like I said, we, we've been taking that over the telephone, we filled it in a form, we're holding it in a secure database, but we've asked people, would you like a phone call as well? Um, and so now we, once people have a delivery service, during that week, we will give them a call. And um, actually, that's been brilliant because, again, both the volunteers and the beneficiaries have been having a lovely conversation with each other mm. once a week and just enables people to, to check in with other people. This new service, something to be taken from COVID, we've developed a new service. And what we're, our plans will be around, uh, you know, just checking the, how people are during the week. Um, so I think that will be mm. a, a, a continued and really exciting development for us. Wonderful. So if someone's listening and they're really passionate about all the things that you've mentioned and they really want to get involved, are you still open to volunteers? Where can we go for more information? Oh, yeah, we're always open to volunteers. So um, the best place to go is to our website, www.foodcycle.org.uk. Mary, that is so wonderful. And I think you've really, your passion has really come across here. And we're so grateful to you for spending time on Look on the Bright Side with us. Thank you so much to you and your volunteers and best of luck in the future. Lovely. Thank you very much, Charlotte. Take care. I wish you could bottle up and pass that enthusiasm to everyone. What a woman! Our final interview today is all about artists. Some of the workers hit hard by the lockdown regulations. So joining me on Look on the Bright Side today is the founder of Artist Support Pledge, Matthew Burrows. Welcome, Matthew. 
Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me on. So when news of lockdown was starting to come out, what were your first concerns as an artist yourself and also for other artists? Actually, on the morning of the 16th of March, I'd been sending out and replying to emails from people who I'd been working with, doing projects with, and these were all coming to an end because they were all, they'll be going to be happening. Either they were going to happen during the period that was announced to be locked down or you know, shortly after. So it didn't seem like a good idea to continue with them. And at the same time, whilst I was sort of sitting at my computer answering these emails, I could see messages coming up on my phone from friends and colleagues who were saying things like exhibition cancelled, um, mm-hmm. work cancelled. And it seemed like nearly every other message was the same, you know, whether that would have been art friends or whether it was galleries who were saying, you know, galleries closing last day tomorrow. Uh, and there was actually kind of a wave in a way of panic, not so much panic, mm-hmm. but desperation. I think it was more than that. It was sort of, okay, this is, you know, as serious as I've ever known it for artists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't, I couldn't think of a, a period where potentially artists were going to have to go for not only three months, the period of lockdown with no income at all, but potentially months after that, because it wasn't going to just suddenly start up again. And also I knew that there just wasn't going to be any sort of support structure for artists. They always fall through the gaps. So, and a lot of artists work in gig economies. So that there aren't the normal sort of pay structures and support structures from industry there. So I knew this was a pretty desperate situation for a lot of artists, you know, and initially it was just, my thoughts were really about the immediate community of artists I work with and around. And I thought, okay, how, you know, what can I do to help? in that situation and not only to help them but to help myself you know it was literally I thought okay how can I help by helping myself and I thought I thought of it as a kind of example thing so the premise of our support pledge really is about how to be community leading by example and then showing other communities how you do that so it's a series in effect what our support pledge actually is is a series of interconnected and networked communities across the globe and if they all buy into and agree to the terms of the code of conduct and behave within the spirit of generosity in the culture of our support pledge, then it's a very effective support structure and a very effective and rapidly growing economy. So it, it works really well if you if you sort of play by the, the cultural rules, if you like. And that's one of the things that's, I think, really interesting about it. It's not a sort of centralized system where you, it's kind of policed. It's a code of conduct that's about customs and about kind of a moral contract if you like and you sign into that moral contract just by taking part and it's on your conscience whether you do it for the good of the community or just do it for your own ends but actually always knowing that the good of the community is actually in your favor Mm -hmm. so it's a sort of interesting shift in a way because it's not it's not pure altruism altruism but also it's not a system where it's just gain 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 for your own ends so it, it's it's about feeding yourself, but also supporting others around you to be fed too. I mean, the overarching message that I'm getting from this is that it's all about community. How does Artist Support Pledge actually work? I mean, as a p- formula, it's very simple. It's no more than £200. You, you post an image of your work, whatever that is, any media, you can be a maker or an artist, on your Instagram account, you detail the work, what it is. You can't charge more than £200. That's the mm-hmm. upper limit of what you can actually charge. You can charge less than £200 or $200. We 
like to round it up to 200 because it's easy to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when, and then you ask for the buyer to just message you if they're interested. And you add the hashtag, hashtag artist support pledge. So that mm-hmm. takes your work automatically to that hashtag page on Instagram. So all that buyers have to do is to, is to search hashtag artist support pledge and they will see over quarter of a million posts of artwork. And if anything interests them, they just click on it, message the artist, and then arrange for payment and shipping. It's very simple, mm-hmm. very straightforward. But the caveat in all this, the thing that makes it kind of in- interesting and stops it being kind of a mere marketing platform is that when you reach a thousand pounds worth of sales, the pledge is that you spend 200 pounds of that thousand pounds on buying another artist or artist's work. So there's always, you're always giving 20% back into your economy and into the support mm-hmm. of your peers and your friends and your colleagues. So anyone who's doing quite well on it becomes a support mechanism for others. Mm. It's so fascinating because like you said, on the surface, you know, perhaps this is something that you might see elsewhere. But when you start to dig a little bit deeper and you learn more about the sort of the microeconomy behind it and also the ethics behind it, it's really quite astonishing. How many artists have gotten involved? It's, it's actually hard to know the amount of artists because um, what we do know is there are sort of 50, around 55,000 followers on the account, on the at our support pledge account. Oh, wow. And there are 270 plus thousand posts. Goodness me. Obviously, not everyone follows the account who uses the hashtag. And of course, when it comes to buyers, many, many people are buying work that are never recognized on the account or on the hashtag because they dip in and out of it. There's no way of tracking Mm -hmm. them. And it's still growing day by day, um, which is kind of interesting because we didn't know. Initially, when I started it, I thought, could we get to a thousand posts would be amazing. And now I'm thinking, can we get to a million? We are um, looking at developing this further and actually what's very exciting and this is a kind of first you're hearing this on your podcast today fresh off the press is that we've been collaborating with um google lab and mit media lab in the united states i've been doing that for we started doing that about just over a month ago now and it's not we've literally it's been announced today so it's very exciting i this this relationship of trying to find a technological relationship and solution to a kind of fairer, more equal society. This is, you know, incredibly inspiring to listen to, and it's really resonating with me, as I'm sure it will with all the listeners. Where can we go for more information and how can we get involved? Well, at the moment, we have a website, which is um, artistsupportpledge.com. So easy to remember, (laughs) it's just .com. Matthew Burrows, founder of Artist Support Pledge. Thank you so much for joining me on Look on the Bright Side. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening and taking a bit of time to look on the bright side with us. Please help us to spread the good news by sharing Look on the Bright Side with a friend or family member. Let's help everyone through this tough time and beat it together. If you've got a story you think we should be featuring, then send us an email. We'll put the address in the podcast description for you. We end this week and this series with the words of the great Nelson Mandela. Our human compassion binds us the one to the other. 
not in pity or patronizingly, but as human beings who have learned how to turn our common suffering into hope for the future. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.